Welcome to a new episode of the Upper Room Church Podcast. Let's join Pastor Johnson as he shares another life-changing message. God bless all of you wonderful people that is in my presence. We are certainly glad for the Lord Jesus. Amen. I tell you, I thank God Almighty for uh, just how I feel right now in my soul. God is good and he's worthy to be praised. I don't know about you, but I feel like running on and seeing what the end is going to be. I want to see what the end is going to be. Amen. I'm excited about it and I pray that the end Amen. It's going to be uh, very acceptable and pleasing uh, to us as God's people. We're looking that the end will be a rewarding. I want it to be rewarding. I'm looking for a reward uh, uh, in the end uh, for our work and our labor that has been wrought and done. God bless all of you. And um, truly, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, let's get into the word of the Lord. Uh, on today, uh, I want to talk to you just a little bit today about using subject matter, being on the right side of controversial issues. Being on the right side of controversial is very important. Uh, it's it's so important that we definitely be on the right side. You remember reading the passage where Moses, uh, when he came down. On the mountain of the Lord, he left the people to go and be in the presence of God to receive commandments and instruction. Where when Moses came down from the mountain, the people was uh, uh, playing; they was into uh, idolatry, idolatry worshiping. And, and Moses, uh, when he saw this, he was angry and he said, "Who is on the Lord's side? Come over here!" And so, right now, uh, looking at the state, uh, a condition that our world is in. We have to choose a side. We have to choose a side that we're going to be on, whether we're going to be on the Lord's side or whether we're going to be on the side of the world. And so Moses asked that great question, who is on the Lord's side? Come over here. So I want to just use for a subject matter today, uh, as I said, being on the right side of controversial is important. It is important. And I'm going to show you in the word on today how important it is. Is it can be very detrimental. So if you take a look at the book, Word of the Lord, in the uh, book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, first chapter, I want to go there. 2 Corinthians, the uh, seventh chapter. Um, one night this week, uh, I believe it was Wednesday night, I didn't write the night down, uh, but I, I, it was so somewhere around midweek this week. Uh, uh, this past week, Wednesday night, I believe it was exact. I, I went to sleep and I had a dream. And in my dream, uh, the Lord gave me this particular uh, chapter that I'm going to talk to you today about. Second Corinthians, the seventh chapter, uh, verse number one. And I dreamed that I was preaching this particular book. Uh, Wednesday night, I was in, in the, you know, I was in bed and uh, seemed like I was awake but not awake, and and I was preaching and this is what the Lord was telling me, and the Lord was and I was, as I was studying it and looking over it, and I was saying, you see when we get down in, and I was asking the Lord the question. I said, Lord, am am I am I unclean? Am I unclean? And this is what God. Uh, uh, gave me this particular chapter. And so I studied it and I said, I know this is uh, confirmation that the Lord want me to teach on this particular chapter, but we're going to have to back up to the chapter that precedes it, chapter 6, to find out what Paul is talking about in chapter 7. But I want to start in chapter 7 because this is where the Lord started me in chapter 7. And here is exactly what the Lord gave me in my dream, word for word, chapter 7, verse 1 on this past Wednesday. And this is what he said. Having therefore these promises, y'all see that? Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, 
perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's exactly what God gave me in my dream on this past Wednesday night. And I was preaching it, and I was preaching it, and I was preaching, I was preaching. And then I asked myself, asked the Lord the question. I said, Lord, am I unclean? And the Lord was saying, cleanse yourself. Somebody said, cleanse. Cleanse, cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. So as I began to study this particular uh, uh, chapter, this particular verse, cleanse yourself and what it meant. Cleansing ourselves, cleansing yourself, cleansing myself. So it said, let us cleanse ourselves. Believers must cleanse themselves from every sin of the body and spirit. Mm, cleanse yourself of every sin of the body and spirit. This means making a clean break with every form of ungodly, ungodly uh, compromise and continue to resist the desires of the flesh, we must put to death the sinful deeds of the body, hating them more and more and running away from them. This is what he dropped in my spirit on Wednesday night. We have to break ties. That's what the Lord was saying. I was saying, Lord, am I unclean? The Lord said, me, so you got to break ties. You got to break ties. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He said, you got to make a clean break from every form of ungodly compromise. There's a lot of ungodly compromise going on in the world today. And, and, and when the Lord got to working with me, I felt somewhat unclean. So therefore, I kept asking him, are you saying I'm unclean? Am I unclean? But he said, cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. Am I unclean? Cleanse yourself, cleanse yourself, cleanse yourself from all filthiness, anything that's, that's not right of the flesh in, our, in this body that we're walking around in. God's told me he's a cleanse yourself of everything that's in the body. And there's a lot of things in the spirit realm. We have to cleanse ourselves from that too. Amen. Amen. Things that in the body is walking around and in the spirit realm. There's a lot of things in the spirit realm, people, you got to understand. The, the, in the spirit realm, that means the, the world system, the world, the, the, the spirit of the world. You got to cleanse yourself of what's happening, what's going on, because it's not pleasing God. Now, notice what he said in verse 1 again. He said, having therefore these promises. Y'all see that? Yes. Having these promises. Okay, what promises? So when I, when I looked at verse 7 closely, and he said, having these promises promises having these promises dearly beloved you the people of God let us cleanse ourselves you have these promises so now cleanse yourself so what are the promises that he's saying we have verse 7 doesn't state them so therefore as I studied verse 7 he said now I, I, therefore having these promises uh, dearly beloved uh, cleanse yourself. You have the promises of God, so cleanse yourself because you have the promises of God. And so to find out what the promises that Paul is speaking of in verse 7, I had to bag up to chapter 6. All right, are y'all with me? And so as I bagged up to chapter 6, I want to look at verse number 14. And in this particular chapter 6 where Paul just got through going over with the Corinthians, and when he got to chapter 7, he said, now, therefore, having these promises, you cleanse yourself. So there are seven promises in chapter 6. Seven promises and four conditions. And Paul said, having these seven promises and, and, and being made known uh, uh, of these four conditions, uh, we got to do something. Cleanse ourselves. So let's look and, look and see what are the seven promises uh, that, Paul, uh, that God said he'll give to us or he'll be with us. And, that he, and then having these promises in, 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 at heart, in mind, in our spirit that are given to us by God. What is it that he wants to do? You have these seven promises. Now clean yourself up. Cleanse your life up. Chapter 6, verse 14. He started there. Uh, he said, be ye not unequally yoked together 
with unbelievers. So Paul is telling the Corinthian church, it's very important that we be careful in these last and evil days who we join ourselves to. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Be careful who you hang with. I, I don't hang around with everybody. You know, I, I, I choose the people that I deal with. I really do. And, and I, I'm, I'm kind, I'm nice, and friendly with everybody. You follow what I'm saying? And that's the way God wants us to be. Amen. Treat everybody right. But you don't hang with everybody. Y'all follow me? Am I making sense? And this is what Paul said. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And this goes all the way back from your friendship, choosing your friends, even choosing a mate or a companion. You, you being a Christian man or a Christian woman, Paul said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And, and the reason why he says that, to keep down confusion. So if you are a, a believer and you are married to a unbeliever, you're going to have some problems. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Amen. But there's going to be some time you want to go to church and they ain't going to want you to go. I remember uh, one one man told me about this uh, preacher. Uh, 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 this this preacher was saying about uh, uh, this this man. He he had a wife, and his wife told uh, he told his wife she was a Christian lady, and uh, and so the husband told the wife. He said, "Well, if if you love me, you go with me to the nightclub." And so she wanted to prove her love, so she went with him to the nightclub. I do love you, so there she go trying to show him that. Uh, he do, she do love him, and she went to the nightclub. Okay, well then, well she turned around and told her, "Well, if you love me, you go with me to the church." So you have to be very careful because it can cause a lot of confusion and, and animosity and division and and, and, and problem within a relationship. So Paul is letting the Corinthian saints know. He said, "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbeliever. A believer needs to marry another believer." So when it comes time for me to get ready to go to church, uh, me and Sister Jones don't have no problem. Because we both want to go to church. Sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed. She have to tell me, you, you come on, we got to go. I'll be the last one to get out of bed sometime. And that's just because I'll be tired from the work week, what I've done at work. But it's not that I don't want to go to church. But my body be tired, and she be up and ready to go. When you going to get up? <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> the body be tired. What they say? The 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 uh, what? How the thing go? The 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 body, the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, the flesh be weak. I don't be wanting to get up on Sunday morning because I'm tired. I done cut grass all yesterday. I uh, cut the church grass, cut my grass, I, and then went to work. I be tired. So the body is weak, but the mind is willing. And, and there be many Sunday mornings. I told her, "Can you preach today for me?" <laughs> She said, I ain't no preacher. So the body be weak. And so uh, she have to help her brother get on up out of bed and come to church. So I don't tell nobody. I don't feel like not coming sometimes. Sometimes I do. I feel like not coming. Uh, amen. And so Paul said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for, check this out, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? None. None. So you have to choose your people you hang with because righteousness, we're trying to do the right thing. So what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? They have nothing to do with each other. They're quite uh, 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 of the object. And no, check this out. And what commune has light with darkness? We know that there's no communion with light and darkness. They don't commune when it's light is light, when it's dark is dark. They don't mix up. You know, they, I, I never seen night and day blend together. Amen. But uh, but in in uh uh, uh in, in, now when the Lord come, we gonna see something different. We gonna see something different when the Lord come there because the Bible said when the Lord come, He said there shall be light in the evening time. So it, it's gonna be a new day then. All right, we'll understand it better and better when 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 we get there. Now, verse fifteen says, I'm talking about uh, uh being on the right side of controversial issues. So check this out. Verse fifteen says. And what concord has Christ with Belias? Or what part has he uh, that believe with an infidel? Now, when you look at that, uh, I studied there and I looked at it. He said, what concord has Christ with uh, Belias? Now, Belias is, a, is another name to use for Satan. 
it's, you know, like a synonyms. You know, you, you, you can say Satan, you can say the devil, you can say the old serpent, you can say the old dragon. Uh, you, you can say, I heard some folk call Satan, they say old slewfoot. Well, I don't know about that, but they got a lot of names they call the devil. But Belias is another name for uh, the devil, okay? So he said, now, what concord has Christ with Belias? None. There's no relationship. There's no friendship with Christ and Belias. Or what part has he that believe you with an infidel? Now, what, what is a, an infidel? What is an infidel? An infidel is a person who does not believe in religion. You say an atheist. Atheist would be an infidel. He don't believe in Christ. He don't believe in religion. He, just, he don't believe in God at all. So that, that would be an infidel. Uh, a person that, that's not, anybody that's not a Christian. You're an infidel. Now, we, we don't use the word infidel very much in Christianity. We don't. But it's used a lot in the, in the religion of the, the, the Muslim religion. They use the word infidel frequently and often. Uh, and they understand it. And so they, will, they, they look at America. All, all American people are infidel because we don't believe in their God, uh, Allah, or, or Muhammad, or whatever. Yeah, Muhammad, the, who is their God. And so uh, they said, they, they even quote scripture, Allah said, destroy the, the infidel. They're talking about us Christians, us Americans, because we aren't Muslim. And, uh, and so that's what an infidel is, a person who does not believe in religion uh, other than one's own, other than one's own religion, and also not a Christian. So we definitely don't believe, amen, in, in their religion, so they're called us infidel. But the true definition of an infidel is a person that don't believe in Jesus Christ. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So he says, so what concord has he, uh, Christ with Belias, which is none? Or what part has he that believe with an infidel, a person that don't believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, we don't have any part with that. And verse 16 says, and what agreement has a temple of God with idol? None at all. The temple of God, we believe in worshiping God, worshiping our Father. Uh, we have no uh, 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 connection with idol. Uh, idol anything. We don't pray to any statues, any type of images. That's why you don't see pictures in this building of, of, of a man on the wall that they say is Jesus. We, we, that's, not, that's not our Lord. So we don't put up images. So what, what, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? None at all. So we don't look at images. We don't look at statues. We don't look at stone. We look at God in his word in the spirit realm. For, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'm coming back. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separated, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughter. Who said it? The Lord God Almighty. Amen. Now, then he get down to chapter 7. Now, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all, the, uh, from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Now, what are the seven promises that, that Paul is talking about in chapter 7, verse 1? The seven promises begin, begin in verse 16, chapter 6. Let's count them. Write them down if you will. Chapter 6, verse 16, all will find the seven promises and four conditions. All right. Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idol? That's not a promise. For you are the temple of the living God. That's not a promise. As God has said, now we're finna get down to a promise. I will dwell in them, that's one promise. I will walk in them, that's two promises. I will be their God, that's promise number three. And they shall be my people, that's promise number four. Am I getting it right? Now, verse 17 says, this is not a promise. It starts off with a condition. 
Wherefore, come out from among them. That's a condition we have to meet. And be ye separated, said the Lord. That's not a promise. That's a condition we have to meet. And touch not the unclean thing. That's not a promise. That's a condition. And I will receive you. That's a promise. Y'all get it? That's a promise. Verse 18. And will be a father unto you. That's a promise. And you shall be my sons and my daughter. That's a promise. And who said it? The Lord Almighty. So there are seven promises and four conditions in chapter 6 that Paul is talking about. And so now we understand what he's saying in chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises. What promises? That God said that I will be with you, I will dwell in you, I will walk with you, I will be your God. You will be my people. I have those promises uh, stated by God. He promised he will be my God. Mm-hmm. He promised that I will be his people. You and I. He promised that he will dwell in me. Lord, I thank you for that promise today. I thank you for dwelling in me. He said, I'll dwell in you and I'll walk in you. And you'll be my sons and my daughters. And then one the promise I love and thank so much. He said, and I will receive you. Now, that's very important right there. Because we have gone to people and people didn't, won't receive us all the time. Some of your own family members won't receive you. They won't have nothing to do with you. But just to have that promise from God Almighty saying that I'll receive you. Oh, that's awesome. That's big. That's huge. And I thank him for it. But here in chapter 7, again, he said, Now, therefore, having these promises, which I thank him for, these seven, dearly beloved, I encourage you, let us cleanse ourselves. And this is what the Lord woke me up with. He said, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the field of God. So, being on the right side of controversy, God want us to clean up our lives. I thank God I want to clean my life up from everything. Amen. It's very, very important. Very, very important. That we be on the right side of everything or God won't receive us. You want to be received. I really do. I want to go to heaven when I die. I really do. I want God to to bless me. I want the favor of God in my life. I talked to a man the other day. We're talking about the favor of God is working and operating in his life. You want that. So to have that, you got to make sure you cleanse yourself, break tithe. Believer must cleanse themselves from every sin of the body and the spirit. This means making a clean break from every form of ungodly compromise. And continue to resist these things in your lives. And so God told me this other night, and it was troubling to me, but I know I'm working every day. I'm working night and day trying to clean my life up, make sure I'm, I'm what God wants me to be. So he said, cleanse yourselves. Cleanse yourself from all the flesh, all the filth of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the sight of God and in the fear of God. Now, let's go just a little bit further. Uh, St. John the uh, 10th chapter. Now, it's very, very important being on the right side of controversy. Y'all know what controversies are, right? Mm-hmm. You, you may want to make sure that you align yourself on the right side. I want to be on the right side of right. I, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be on the wrong side because it's, it's detrimental. It can be, it can be, uh, uh, it can be uh, dangerous. It can be, it can be uh, 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 life-threatening. And the loss of one soul uh, throughout eternity in hell. So we have to make sure we're on the right side and cleanse ourselves. Now, do you know you know the difference? You know the difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A hireling. H i r e l i n g hireling. I looked it up for you. A shepherd. So you know, a shepherd, when God talks about a shepherd, I'm just going to teach us a little bit this morning. Now, when God talks about a shepherd, a shepherd is one 
that will confront. He will confront things. David was a shepherd, and he watched the sheep out there. And so David watched those sheep, and as watching those sheep, he was betraying himself and showing that he was a shepherd. And if danger come, David will confront it. Many times the story goes on to say, one time David was out there watching sheep, a bear came. David went out there and whooped the bear. You can't have the sheep. A, a, a bear came, a lion came, a different, different, different wild beast came trying to uh, 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 eat the prey, eat the sheep. But David, being a shepherd, wouldn't allow that. That's what a real shepherd does. A real shepherd will confront. We're living in day and time now. We don't have shepherds. We have hirelings. Hirelings don't confront. Hirelings look the other way. Highlands are quiet. Highlands are silent on issues. One thing I, I, I love so much about Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King was a pastor. He was a shepherd. I know a lot of people say pastors, they shouldn't get into politics, shouldn't get into this. But see, shouldn't get into that, leave politics alone. But you know what? If Martin Luther King hadn't got involved in what was going on in the world, uh, the sanitation department probably still be messed up. A lot, we probably wouldn't be able to vote. Uh, uh, like we do, we probably wouldn't. We wouldn't be at the front of the bus if what that lady named hadn't a, uh, had a gave up her seat. Seat. So a lot of things wouldn't be if if a lot of God's people hadn't stood up uh, for what was right. See, so you have to stand up for. Uh, and my Luke said, uh, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So it takes God's people, which are shepherds, to stand up for what's right and wrong. Let me give you a good example. Just like when this boy, what this, what this boy, they choked, choked to death, uh, what's his name, George Floyd? Mm -hmm. Am I saying it right? Yes, sir. Okay, when, when what happened to him, what happened to him, a lot of poor pits were silent. The preacher wouldn't say nothing. They wouldn't say that was wrong. They wouldn't do if they said they said it on their breath or at home somewhere. The pulpit should have been sounding the alarm everywhere. We have we don't have shepherds. We have hirelings. Hirelings won't say nothing. They, they they won't confront. They'll look the other way. They're quiet on issue that they should be talking loud about. That's a hireling. But a shepherd like Martin Luther King, they will stand up and say, This is injustice, it's wrong, it shouldn't be happening. We have a lot of hired. We don't have no shepherds. And therefore, the people of God, sometimes they are, they're confused. Let me show it to you in St. John. Jesus explained to us better than St. John. St. John, the 10th chapter. St. John, the 10th chapter. Check this out. And verse number 11. Okay, let's see. St. John 10, 10, and verse number 11. It says that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. See there what a shepherd does? A shepherd will give his life for the sheep. In other words, he's there to protect them. He's there to confront danger when it comes to them. Now, let's go on and see what else he's saying about a shepherd. All right? But he said a good shepherd uh, will give his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling, y'all see that? And not, and not the shepherd who own the sheep are not. Sees the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catch them and scatter them. That's what a hireling does. A hireling will not confront. A hireling sees danger and he takes off. Now, how will it look to you all with stuff going on around here and, 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 and I see danger and I go the other way or won't say anything about it? Sometimes people may not like you for uh, sounding the alarm when you see danger. Danger, danger, danger. But that's what a hireling does. He don't confront. He runs away. And that's what we got a lot of our pastors, a lot of these shepherds, so-called shepherds. They're not saying anything. They're not sounding the alarm. They're running away. And so this is what the Lord said. Now, a hireling, a hireling, just a word hireling, you look, a hireling is a paid pastor. He worked for hire. And since he's working for hire, he won't say anything about uh, danger, danger, or confront because he's afraid of his pay. Well, I work for the people. No, you work for God. You work for God, not the people. 
And so if you're looking at it that way, that you work for the people, then you won't say anything because you feel like the people might get upset and you might not get paid. Okay, but he said, but he that is a hireling uh, and not the shepherd who own the sheep or not sees a wolf coming and leaving the sheep and fleeing and the wolf catch them and scatter them. Verse number 13, the hireling flees. I'm telling y'all right now, I ain't no hireling. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling. Why, why did he flee? Why did he run when he saw the wolf? Why did he run when he saw the barrel? He is a hireling and he cares not for the sheep. People need to realize that. A lot of these so-called pastors, they do not care anything about the people. They really don't. Until people wake up and realize that a lot of these preachers don't care nothing about them. They, they care about their pocket. They care about the, the, their billfold. What's it, what, you, what, what you're giving them and what they can get. I'm going to show it to you and, and we're going to go just a step further. A hireling flee because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. But verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I'm known of them. As the fathers knoweth me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus said, I am not a hireling, I am a shepherd. And a shepherd will watch out and look out for the sheep. So the difference between a shepherd and a hireling, a shepherd will confront. A hireling runs away. He looks the other way, won't say anything about anything. So my, what my thing is God told me to cleanse myself from all the filters of the flesh and the spirit perfecting the holiness and the fear of God. Being on the right side of controversial issue is very important. If I was a hireling, then I would look the other way and I would be silent on controversial issue. But I'm not a hireling. Now, just the other day, we, we have many, many, many controversial issues going on in our world today. Just the other day, it said in my heart, this pastor, everybody know what the Supreme Court done? This pastor, we have a lot of pastors. They're not pastors. They're hireling. And they're not God's shepherd. This pastor was in his pulpit. And he had all the women's lined up on the side of the wall all around him. And this pastor, so-called pastor, was saying that it's a woman's right to abortion. What the Supreme Court done is wrong. It's a woman's right. It's her health care. It's her, it's her right. And all the women around the pulpit clapping their hands. Hey, all these folk clapping. Here the pastor is condoning killing babies. And all the women were around the pulpit clapping. And they done this. They did this, and that's a crying shame. He is not a shepherd. He's a hireling. There's a difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A hireling will confront whatever is wrong. I mean, I'm sorry, a hireling will look the other way when things are wrong, but a shepherd will confront it. Now, he will not be, he don't want us to get on the right side of a controversial issue and say, no, this is wrong, we shouldn't do this. He's a hireling. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a crying shame. The Bible, the Bible uh, now, I never really talked to you all very much about abortion. Uh, a lot of preachers in the pulpit don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but it's in the Bible. Abortion been in the Bible a long time. Aborting babies been in there a long time. Herod, he aborted the babies. You remember when he was trying to kill the Jesus? He, he, he killed all the babies all the way up from age one up to two, trying to, to, trying to uh, 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 get to Jesus and just, just stamp him out, keep Jesus from coming forth because he feared for his kingdom. When you kill all these babies age one up to two because he figured Jesus was somewhere in that bracket between one and two. And if I kill all the babies from one up to two, I, I kill Jesus. Jesus. The devil have always trying to stop God. He didn't. He was trying to stop God then, and he's trying to stop God today. One day we will have a good subject on abortion. Now that's not to say I know a lot of people who have probably who have made mistakes in life, had an abortion, and gone down that road, and um, we made mistakes. Well, my word to them is the same word as my colleagues who taught me. And I hang with, you ask for forgiveness and don't do it no more. Many folks made mistakes, done things that they shouldn't have done. But just don't do it no more. God will forgive you, but don't believe that it's okay. And so it, 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 it's just a surprise me and it's, it's, it's overwhelming just uh, beyond me that there are so many pastors 
black pastors who absolutely believe that abortion is right. I was talking to a man the other day, my brother-in-law, we were talking about it, and he was, and, 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 and he's a, 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 a preacher, and he's on the wrong side of this controversial issue. And see, and people talk, it's a woman's right. And my word is, oh, so, so you know what a woman is, huh? It's a woman's right to abortion. Well, I thought they said, somebody said they didn't know what a woman was. So how can it be a woman right if you don't know what a woman is? See, after a while, they're going to be saying they don't know what a man is. They go, after a while, bro, open men, you ain't, we ain't going to know what we are. And so it's a crying shame. You, you got to be on the right side of these controversial issues. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. But see, the world is getting so crazy. And, and I heard a professor just the other day. This lady was a professor in the college. And she teach her children, her students, that a man can have a baby. Churches don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But ain't no way a man can have a baby. But she teach that that a man can have a baby. And you be there's a lot of Christian, there's a lot of sanctified folk, a lot of Baptist folk, a lot of all kind of folk. They messed up when it comes down to these issues. And you know what? You don't know what folk believe right now. They be sitting up in church, and you think they're on your side, and they believe in abortion. They believe in killing baby. They believe a man can have a baby. They believe in same-sex marriage. They just mess up. They ain't on the right side. But what I'm saying today, what God gave me, being on the right side of these controversial issues is very important because it, it will determine whether you will have everlasting life or you're going to be lost. Amen. And God told me to clean up your life. Clean up. Uh, uh, your life, Johnson. God, he told me that in a dream. Cleanse yourself. And I'm cleaning myself from all the controversial issues. I want to be on the right side. Now, you may not be popular. You may not be popular. But you'll be on the right side of God. And that means more to me than anything in the world. I don't care who you are. I ain't going to hell for you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I ain't going to hell for you. I had a lady right here in this shirt. We had a controversial issue, and uh, and, and she 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 ran up against me, and she railed on me, and and just went off on me, bro, Obi. And I called her to the office, and I said, "Sister, you gonna have to leave. I cannot be your pastor." So she thought I wouldn't tell her that, cause she paid tithes, put her tithes in the church, and put a little money in the church. And I told her, I said, "You gotta leave." I can't be your pastor. You rail on me like that. How can I be your leader? You disrespect me like that. And when I told her that, she was hurt. And she said, well, what about my ties? I said, what about the ties? I pay my ties. I said, I don't care nothing about no ties. I don't care about no ties. You got to go. If you talk to me like that, take your ties and hit the door. Y'all follow what I'm saying? I'm not a hireling. I'm a shepherd. I can't, I can't let you rail on me like that because you put ties in the church. And that's what's wrong with these old preachers today. They let the church folk do anything, whatever they want to do, just because they put money in the church. you got to be on the right side of controversial issue. Do you will not be the people of God? Amen. All they want to get up there and just hoop and holler. It's more than a hoop and a holler, y'all. We got to know something. You got to know something. You can't be killing these babies. That's, right. That's wrong. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Let me tell you something. Now, I know it's very controversial. I know it's a sensitive subject for some. Uh, well, some say, well, I kind of go along with don't kill the babies. But see, some of these folks, they'll kill the baby from up to uh, so many weeks, four, five, six weeks pregnant. And, and, and some of them believe they kill the baby all the way up to Birth, nine months. And then one of them said they killed the baby. It's a woman's right. Even after they have the baby, she wanted to terminate the baby. Kill it after it came out. It's her right to do that. Now, that's just cold. Hey, hey, he done came out the womb. He on the table. And she said, I don't want it. Kill it. And she okay with that. That's, that's de this is demonic, y'all. This is this is demonic. I mean, this is this is the devil in, in full force. And if the church can't see that, something is absolutely wrong with the folks that's supposed to be church. That's true. Amen. Okay. 
Okay. Now, let me tell you this right. Then one lady said, well, I, I can't agree with abortion, but what about, what about when it comes to uh, rape and incest? Okay. Well, see, we got to understand, God gives life. All life comes from God. Whether rape or incest, if you do it, you don't broke, broke the commandments in the, in the word of God. Now, some people say, well, I don't know about having a baby. I have a rape. I just don't know about having that baby. I, I got a story to tell you about it. I know a preacher. I know somebody their parents were raped. Let me tell you about it. Any of you all, y'all Google a lot? Google this pastor, James Robinson. James Robinson is a well-renowned pastor. His mom was raped by this man. She got pregnant with a boy. She didn't ask to be raped, but she was raped. And she conceived. It was a boy. And she did the right thing. She said, well, I'm going to have this baby. I'm not going to take life. She had the baby. The baby's name was James Robinson. She sent James to school. Educated James. James grew up to be a preacher. And he's passing now one of the most prominent churches in America. Now what if she had to kill James? All the people that James lied that James touched and pointed them in the direction of God, Jesus Christ. What about all the good that James done? Had she taken James' life, what would happen to all those folks? Couldn't nobody reach those folks but James. But she said, I'm going to have my baby. You know, and James, no, he was a product of rape. And today, I guarantee you, if you have a conversation with him, he'll say, I'm glad my mama didn't take my life. I'm glad I'm here. I didn't ask for this to happen, but I'm glad she didn't abort me. So people get selfish with, with things, and we have to give all glory to God. God gives life. If God didn't mean for it to be, God wouldn't allow it to be. God allowed that pregnancy to take place. He allowed James to grow up and be what he was in life. And James is a, uh, 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 he is a success in life, not a failure. But the world would say, well, abort. They, the world tell the people, we're going to abort that baby. You'll be better off, and you get rid of it. You'll be better just going to slow you down. And then if he probably grow up, uh, they teach us our black boys, just going to get rid of them because they probably grew up in this world of crime to be a criminal. They, they, they ain't going to be nothing. So it's just, just not, it's best for them not to come here. Being on the right side of controversial issues is very, very important. If you believe, if you got it wrong and believe it the wrong way, your soul is in danger. I don't care what your family say, what your cousins say, uh, uh, how, what you say. Uh, you got to be on the right side of controversial issue. I know it might be uncomfortable, but the churches are silent. Why are they silent? Because they're not shepherds. They're not shepherds. They're hollering. All of God's preachers all be hollering and screaming in the pulpit today is wrong, is wrong, is wrong. But you got preachers saying, it's a woman's right. That's what she want to do. Let her do it. He's not a shepherd. He's a hollering. And he's leading you to hell. Let's go just a little bit further. I'm almost done. Now, let's take a look at, uh, we're going to talk about a shepherd in the Old Testament. Isaiah 56 and 9. I'm going to let you go with this right here. I want to give you this. One day we're going to have a good long discussion about it. I talked to a preacher the other day. I, I think I'm not, I'm not going to talk with him anymore about it. Uh, before the Supreme Court made their ruling on, on abortion. And, and guess what? Look at this. Abortion ain't going to never stop. The Supreme Court, what they said is it's not their business. They out of it. It's not for us to decide. Let it go to the state, the state of Tennessee, state of Mississippi, state of Missouri, state of whatever it is. Let whoever the head of that state, if the people go to the uh, 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 the voting booth, if they vote for they that they want it, then they'll pass a bill and it's legal in their state. But the Supreme Court said it's not our call. We don't have no business messing with that. And so they want to kill the judge for that. So that's one reason why I don't get with the world because, see, they, they action is so, so wrong. If, if, if it was right, I'd be, I'd be with them before you want to kill the judge because they, they, they said they made the ruling. They want to kill Clarence Thomas. They want to kill Kavanaugh. 
the whole thing is wrong. I can't get with you when you want to kill somebody. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But if you go, if if, if you're gonna do some wrong, I got to distance myself between you. If you want to burn down houses because they they made it, I can't get with you because that's wrong. If it's right, I can, maybe we can get together and, and look at something. But when you look at the whole orchestration, the whole thing about it, everything about it, the repercussion behind all the ruling is all wrong. So how can I get with it? Ain't no way in the world I can be a preacher of righteousness and get with these evil people. I ain't no Harlan. I'm a shepherd. Am I making sense to somebody? Amen. It might be uncomfortable. Somebody said tight, but it's right. Now, look at Isaiah 56. God talk about these old shepherds. I'm going to tell you what God think about them. And I think what God think. Isaiah 56. I think what God think when it come down to these old preachers. I thought a lot of a whole lot of preachers. I, I had a lot of preachers that I idolized and I thought a lot of when I found out they was on the wrong side of the controversial issue. I said, I ain't fool. I can't fool with him. Then a lot of them that I thought a lot of, they won't, they won't say none of they silent on it. I said, I can't fool with him because he's a hireling, and a hireling don't confront. He looks the other way or he run away. You get these preachers on, put them on platform, and you ask them a tough question in some kind of way. They so good, they professional, and when they get through answering the question, they done dodge around and went around and bullet this way and run around that way, and they didn't even touch them. They'll throw you off, and when they end the conversation, end it, they didn't even answer the question you asked them. As T.D. Jacob about same-sex marriage, he's so good, he's so professional, he can speak so good and so clever. When he get through talking to them about same-sex marriage, when he get through talking at the end of the question, he ain't even answer the question. He ain't even answer. And a lot of other, other ones, too. I, I watched them. They so good, they so good. And when they get through talking about you, get through interviewing, when them jokers, they, they know how to word it, they know how to fix it up. When they get through, they didn't answer, they didn't answer nothing at the end of the interview. He's a howler. He's not a shepherd. Follow him if you want him. Follow him if you want him. Check out Isaiah 56. Check out Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, God had a problem with these shepherds. Let's see, I want to start at Isaiah 56. Look, let's start at verse number 9. Uh, verse 9, Isaiah 56, verse 9, God invites the the. The, the, the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field to come on, eat the peoples up. But he using this analogy to show you exactly what happened. The fowls of the air and the beasts of the field, they are not really beasts. They are not really fowl. They are people. Okay, check it out. 56 verse 9. All beasts of the fields, here's God saying, come to the vow. Yea, all ye beasts are in the forest. Come to the vow. Verse 10 said, his watchmen are blind. That's, that's the shepherd. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Verse 11. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They are shepherds. Here it is. God called them shepherds. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own ways. Everyone for his what? Gain. They looking for, they just want the money. That's why they won't say nothing. For they all, everyone for the game, for from his quarter. And verse 12 said, come eat. Here's what they say. Come eat, said, said they. I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drinks. And tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. They bunch of holler. They preaching for the money. So God called them all dumb dogs. All those shepherds that will not confront uh, uh, adversities, will not confront controversial issues. God said they are dumb dogs, do not understand, they will not bark. But I want to tell y'all something right here. I ain't no dumb dog and I will bark. I had a dog named Rusty. Some of y'all know Rusty. Rusty will cut up when someone coming down the street. Sometimes he cut up and bark, so I have to go out there and say, what's wrong, boy? What's wrong? What you see? He be looking down through there, and I be trying to look where his head is pointing to see what he see. I couldn't see it, but Rusty saw something, and he would cut up. He was a good watchdog. And so a lot of these preachers, they ain't no preacher. They ain't no good shepherd. They don't see nothing. They won't say nothing. They will not bark. They won't let you know nothing is coming. 
But I want you to know you got a little man right here. I will bark. I will let you know when something ain't right. Amen. I'm a barking preacher. You got a dog won't bark, you need to get rid of him. <laughs> you need to get rid of that dog. That dog will let somebody break in the house and kill you. That's why I told Sister Johnson one time. I said, you know, Rusty gone. I said, well, some people have dogs. I know people have dogs in the house. And for matter of fact, man on the end of my street, he moved now. He had two dogs in his house. And somebody came and they kicked the door and they didn't watch in his house. They thought it wasn't home. The wife left, but they thought everybody was gone. They came in, bro, it was nobody. They kicked the door in and went in there, but the dog was at home. The man was at home and the dog was there too. Soon they kicked the door off, that dog laid on him. Boy, you should have saw him. They flew out of there. He was a good watchdog. I mean, he, he ran him up out of there. And you, I mean, they jumped in the car and went on around the corner. He, he, he wouldn't let danger come into that house. And that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd will confront, but a howler look the other way and won't say nothing. We got a lot of howlers in our land today. They're not shepherds. They're not preachers. They're not God's preachers. Not at all. Won't say nothing about nothing, James. No, well, I don't, I don't mess with that. No, I don't get into stuff like that. You're not a shepherd. That's why you don't get into it. I, it will hurt my heart if the way they were treating us and our people and Martin Luther King said, well, I can't march on Washington. I can't get into nothing like that. My goodness. I'm so glad he was who he was. Y'all all be glad he was who he was. A shepherd will stand up. If it ain't right, a shepherd got to say something. And so God gave me this in my dream the other night, Wednesday night, and God, he told me, he said, cleanse, cleanse yourself, cleanse yourself. So I, I got to clean myself and make a clean break with some of these folks that won't stand up for what's right. And I'm going to do that. And uh, if I have to stand by myself, I'm going to do that. Amen? Amen. That's the word of God for the people of God on today. Being on the right side of these controversial issues it's very, very important, y'all. It's detrimental. You can be going to hell and not know it. And uh, you want to make sure you're on the right side. Check it out real good. I ain't saying everything is wrong. But I'm saying check it out real good and make sure you're on the right side. And God going to bless you real good. All right. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand praise. That's our word for the day. We thank God for you. Listen attentively. I hope I said something to encourage your heart and maybe perhaps... Uh, some something uh, thought provoking. That's what we need. Thought provoking. All right. So God bless you. Thanks, Pastor Johnson, for another amazing message. Make sure to join us next week for an all new episode of the Upper Room Church podcast. Until then, remember: encounter Jesus, echo hope, and dwell in love.